The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This podcast is powered by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Caught in the Net. I'm your co-host, Dave Severns, along with my friend, Mike Procopio. Sweet Chuck, how you doing today? Oh, fantastic, Sev. What <laughs> yep. do we got on what do we get on the agenda today? I'm just uh, Well you know, I understand you had to go get a new phone, sweet Chuck. Yeah, that was a that was a you know that was a three hour fiasco. Not a three hour, but yeah, this size, this how much a month, this and that. It's like nothing's ever easy anymore. Nothing's like here's you know, four hundred bucks, give me a phone. It's no this month, this how much a month, you gotta add this on 5G, 9G, 2G. I'm like, dude, just give me a fucking phone, you know? So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to get a new phone. It's going to be shipped to me. I'm leaving, I'm leaving town for about a month or so. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, sweet we'll Chuck, I, I just got back in the States a couple days ago from my... Norway, Sev. Tell me about the trip. Tell the, our, <laughs> our precious four fans about the trip. Yeah, I was over there for a month, sweet Chuck, doing some consulting for a professional team in, uh, in Kongsberg um, in, the, in the top Norwegian league. They're in the, actually in the semifinals. Got beat today in the semifinals, so. Without you there, that's yeah, why I hey, said. Hey, sweet Chuck, when I was there, they were undefeated, 5 and Now you can negotiate your fee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah. but it's good to be back and uh, followed their game today and they got beat, but. Um, 
Watched a couple of NBA games last night. Uh, a couple of really interesting games. Sweet we, we're not here to talk about NBA games, but the uh, the Laker fiasco uh, against Dallas, and then that really interesting game with the Clippers coming back from 24 down to beat Utah at home. Mm-hmm. So enjoyed watching those and <clears throat> thought about a little bit you and I together last night. We thought about what we we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. and. For our listeners, it's that time of the year, Sweet Chuck, where college players who are thinking about uh, going into the draft are going through this thing called the pre-draft process. So that's kind of where we want to go today, right, Sweets? I literally thought you were going to go into an <laughs> ad copy for the fuck for like you know for one of our sponsors. There. That's coming, you, you know, because oh, you know, it's time for it, right, Sweet Chuck? And I'm like, oh, here we go, another <laughs> ad. But yeah, it's a um. It's a really interesting time. You know, everybody and their mother will, you know, put their name in for the draft and, and they have to sort of try to select an agent or at least somebody to advise them, then talk about where they're going to train, who they're going to train with, you know, getting ready for the NBA draft. The seniors have, you know, the Portsmouth Invitational coming up in a week or so out in Portsmouth, Virginia. Right. Uh, some of the top seniors in the country that don't decline, that actually go to the camp, are going to go and then. You know, these players are going to get ready for these pre-draft workouts in the NBA pre-draft camp. So, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting time for a college player, you know, now that their seasons are winding down, you know, in the playoffs. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you and I have been involved kind of on both ends of it. We've, we've both done the pre-draft work for agents, and we've also done the pre-draft workouts for teams. Yes. So, uh but today we're going to look at it from kind of the, the period of time between the end of a college season and then probably like around the 1st of May where they actually go into the cities for workouts with teams. We're not going to get into that. We just kind of want to talk about the six or seven weeks leading up to that process. Does that sound good? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so the, the process, at least the way I see it, is look everybody's got rankings there's a million ranking sites not as many as we had when we were doing it for grover for tim grover but now you have a a million rankings sets and i think probably the most important ranking set is the espn ranking because they usually get pretty good information so now you get a you get players rankings of where they're going to probably be selected or at least uh you know you get your lot you get your high lottery players you get your lottery players you get your First round picks, borderline first, and then all throughout the second. So players now for the next seven weeks are trying to jockey for position to try to get higher on their ranking by working on their skill sets, you know, their basketball skill work as well as their physical skills in a pre-draft training combine that they're going to be put on usually by their agent or they're going to work out at school, you know, work out with an agent on their, uh, work out with a trainer on their own or just work out at school and try to better their sort of their, you know, just be more prepared for these pre-draft workouts and these combines and camps that they'll be attending. Right. And let's take it from the point of view of a player that's going to stay in the draft. Uh, He's not going back to school. Sure. And, you know, the, the, the college season ends and, you know, the player has to decide, first of all, what agency he's going to go with. Now, Mm -hmm. the conversation's, have been going on if not you know for the whole year maybe two years or maybe since they were in high school you know it's not like all of a sudden this guy you know well now with the nil sev yeah they could have agents you know right they could have agents you know negotiate that so of course you don't think that's going to slip into a conversation (laughs) here and there about you know what's happening past this year but go ahead so so the players selected his agent yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing that kind of has to happen. The next thing is, you know, the player and the agent decide, okay, where are you going to go for your pre-draft work? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the agents have, you know, selected city. We know of certain agencies that, you know, go to Southern California, Santa Barbara, wherever. And a lot of them are in L.A., you know, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so Miami. One, yeah, Miami. Texas. Texas. Once they've decided, you know, where we're going to spend the next six weeks, then Mm -hmm. the player moves there, you know, gets settled in to the apartment or whatever and begins actual training, um, you know, for the pre-draft. And at this point, (laughs) most of the, let's be honest, most of the players are pretty much done with college at this point. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. you know, they'll go online. Yeah, they now can they can go, go online they can and do stuff. online stuff. But they, yeah. you know, they're not they're not going back and forth to their campus at this point. No, before it was a bigger problem because the online classes weren't as as popular as they are now. So now these kids could keep their eligibility by doing online classes and finishing up whatever they have to sort of finish up. And, you know, with pre-draft training, it's like it's seven weeks. So the agent, 90% of the time, I would say maybe 80% of the time, the agent picks up the fee for the training of the workouts and things. And think about it, seven weeks. So say you're in LA, seven weeks and say, say you're in a one bedroom apartment. Seven weeks, so that's about seven grand right there. You know, you got to pay for food and transportation, all that. That's probably another twenty five hundred plus what you're paying the trainer to work the guy out. I mean, you're you're talking about per player. You're talking about at least five figures per player to get them sort of ready for the draft. It's a hefty expense, especially if a player is not going to get selected in the first round and not making guaranteed money, right. it's, a, it's an interesting deal. And hopefully, Sweet Chuck, hopefully these players are taking athletic greens, okay? Because, there we go. You know, <laughs> tons of people take a multivitamin, Sweet Chuck. Uh, yeah. so, but you, it's important to choose one that's top quality. Uh, yep. Athletic greens, you have one delicious scoop of, of their powder and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, to help start your day right. Um, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. One scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com sportsdrink Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And Sweet Chuck, Sweet Chuck I'm still waiting for my, uh, my supply of athletic greens. <laughs> hey, Seth, I just take two. You know what I do? I just take two, I just take two fucking Bonnie Rubbles on my Flintstone vitamins. <laughs> I don't need no fucking athletic greens, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. So, so, so. Now, so now the players in the city... Uh, he's set up in the apartment, like you said, and let's let's explain to the listeners, you know, where this money comes from. And like you said, it's usually fronted from the agent, you know, with the uh, intent on the player paying it back once he gets that contract. Actually, no, Seb, they don't. No. Um, so okay, sweet. Uh, before getting in, before getting into the the well, before we get into the training, like right. the actual. And we're not going to get much into the negotiation with agents. No, But no. I'm saying, usually for agents, what they do is, if you're a good player, say you're a player that plays in the ACC, you're going to be a lottery pick or a first-round pick. A, the agent doesn't make any money on your actual contract. They don't charge you any percentage. Okay. They don't charge you the 4% that, that they usually charge to do the contract. Also, in, in these negotiations, that the player does not pay for pre-draft training. So the fifteen grand or so that they're picking up per player, the agent has to eat that, and and hopefully they can get some marketing money because that's what the agent makes on the rookie contract. He makes the marketing money, the percentage of marketing money, and then then they make full fee on the actual second contract. So they gotta gotcha. usually incur this. But some players that have like agents that aren't you know heavy hitters in this thing. What they do is they front them credit money. They pay for the training. And then, yeah, if they're going to be playing in the NBA, Croatia, Italy, you know, Fort Wayne, Indiana, they're going to start getting bills for the pre-draft training. Okay. So, but, yeah. So for those first round guys uh, that you're talking about, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. looking for a return on their investment somewhere, somewhere yeah. down the line. Sure. So I'm sorry. I didn't want to sidetrack it. No, but that's okay. We've got to clear this up for our listeners. It is pretty interesting, though, how the, the agent thing works with the players and stuff. So anyway, so now they're in the city. Right. Um, they're, they're trying to up their stock. They go to a trainer, right. a, tra- a training company, one trainer, what have you. And then now they're sort of set on a regiment for six to seven weeks before the 
pre-draft workouts and pre-draft camps start. Right. And they're usually working out, you know, five, six days a week. Okay, so the, the three people that have their hands on these players uh, are the actual basketball trainers slash coaches on the mm-hmm. court guys. Mm-hmm. And then you have your strength and conditioning guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also might have uh, some sort of a nutritionist uh, mm-hmm. trying to get them to start eating right. Um, is there anybody else I'm missing, Sweet Chuck, besides those three people? I, I remember when players used to go down to IMG uh, down in Florida <clears throat> to train. IMG had uh, like a PR coach okay. for those guys to talk about Media PR. Training media training, right. how to talk in interviews and things. Some agents have them. A lot of the smaller agents don't. But sometimes they'll do it. But as far as the training, Seb, you got it right. The basketball, the strength, and then the nutritionist. And that's usually – maybe they'll have a masseuse like to right. do the, the, the massage stuff. But mm-hmm. that, that's basically it. All right. So to me, Sweet Chuck, you know, the number one if, – if I'm looking at this as a player coming in, the number one thing I got to do is make sure in these six or seven weeks I get myself in tip-top physical condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's any sort of an injury, to make sure that I get that rehab. So when I go for my job interviews in six or seven weeks, I'm in, in, in great shape. And for those guys that come into this process a little bit out of shape or dinged up, they're really behind the eight ball a little bit because, you know, six and seven weeks, you, you got to get yourself in, in tip-top shape. And... and not only to be able to do the workouts, but it kind of look good, right, Sweet Chuck? I mean, they take a look at you. They don't want to see a squishy body or anything like that. Yeah, I think the, fir- the, the one main thing about these six, seven weeks, look, you're not adding that much to your basketball game right. or your basketball knowledge. You'll add a little bit. You could add a couple of things, no doubt. But the one thing that you want these guys to, to see when you walk through the, the, the door in either the pre-draft camp or a team working you out in NBA City is they want you want to see how great shape you are physically as far as your muscles and your body looks as well as being able to withstand a, a 90 to 120 minute workout you know in peak top shape to be you know to be running circles around the competition that you'll be working out against yeah uh, and and the one thing I you know, to, when I watch these pre-draft workouts, you know, I have sat there and actually watched them or been the coach in charge of putting them through these things. The first mm-hmm. thing that I look at is their body. You know, what yeah. have they been doing for seven weeks? If they come in there out of shape, they're sending you a message that, you know, they're not taking this thing very serious. So that's the, that's the first thing. And, you know, both you and I have, you know, been around Tim and watched him, you know, do, uh, I don't want to say work his magic, but. He kind of does, you know, mm-hmm. with their body and getting them, uh, getting them right as far as that goes. Now, Sweet Chuck, weightlifting and conditioning and all that stuff that they do with their body before the court workouts for you or after the court workouts? You know, I don't know the science behind it. There's no science that I know of behind it. Uh, some people say do it before. Some people do it after. Usually... With Grover, I believe it was we did basketball first. No, actually, they yeah. they I think they lifted first. I, I think and they, then did they did the lift. basketball. I think they lifted yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. And then with the NBA teams, like you know, when we you just with your team, forget about pre-draft. You know, usually they would lift first anyway, yes. and then come on the court and right. do their work. So yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, just getting your work in is important because I like I said, I I don't think. I think if you're going to kill them, they kill it in the weight room and on the track or on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the skill-wise, you're just trying to get them shots, put them in situations, teach them some things, and then just get them focused for like, an, you know, nine, an hour, 90 minutes or whatever you have them, you know? Right. And you know what uh, What else, sweet Chuck, you need to be focused on is this thing called ColorCast. <laughs> ColorCast, sure. you know, is alive. Audio-only sports talk platform. You can download it at the App Store. But it's, it's perfect for you know guys that are into watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news on your favorite team. You, know, you download the ColorCast app free from the App Store. You create your profile, link it to your Twitter, join your league or your group. 
you know, and then you can go live on Colorcast at a certain day at a certain time, and always come with your spiciest takes, sweet Chuck. Yeah, I'm not a big. I like spice in my Mexican food. I don't like spice in in my takes. But go ahead. That that would be great if you want to use it. Okay. So now we're we're we've done our weight training. You you know you've got in the weight room with the conditioning guy and, and done all that. So now you're on the court, and this is where I I kind of say you you got to teach to the test. Mm-hmm. Okay. That and the test being when you go to the team and have the ninety you know minute workout. Um, so the, the, to me, the good on-court coaches or trainers kind of know what the test is and can teach the test and prepare that player for the test. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that you just got to have an understanding if you're going to work out, if you're going to be a trainer working out a college kid ready for the NBA draft workouts, I think you need to, you know, if you don't have any experience, which most of these guys don't, as far as being in an actual NBA pre-draft workout, you got to scour the the internet, scour the world on anybody that could tell you about these workouts. Right. What, what they consist of, what type of shots, how long are they, how much do they do skill wise with no no defense versus competitive when they they actually add defenders on you. Um, you know, you got to know that you can only have six people on the court at one time. Right. Um, you you got to just know what a sort of a workout sort of looks like, and you know it's funny. The first pre-draft workout I ever saw was um, Rick Pitino worked out Keith Van Horn uh, in Boston, actually at Suffolk's gym. Is that the one and you told me was like one of the best workouts you'd ever best seen? Best I've ever seen. Especially right. from a head coach. Rick Pitino's the best head coach that I've ever seen put players to workouts because like, he just moved it along spot to spot, drill to drill, taught, stopped, correct, moved them on, encouraged them. Um, went at them when they weren't going hard enough and just, it, it was un, un, like, I've seen workouts before like, back then. This is 1997. Look, there were no real trainers around, right. you know, Dave Hopple was the only guy I really saw workout pro guys. So I didn't really have any sort of, you know, knowledge of it. And just to see that type of a workout at that intense rate, I just saw him work out a couple of NBA players one which did really well. One had to stop after like 30 minutes and because it was too hard. So he basically put Van Horn through the same workout, and Van Horn just sliced through it like a hot knife through butter. Then a couple years later when I got hired by the Celtics and I would watch why Doc Rivers put guys through workouts for the draft and just get a little bit of a better idea of how, you know, what happened with this and how they were actually – I'm sorry, I take that back. It wasn't Doc Rivers, it was Jim O'Brien. Jim O'Brien um, coached before Doc Rivers in Boston, and he would do all the pre-draft workouts. So to get an idea of what those guys did, um, to have an idea, I didn't know I was going to be working for Tim Grover doing it in a couple of years. So I had a good idea based on Patino's intense workouts and the drills he put him through with how many numbers you got to get, how many shots you got to make in a certain amount of time and the intensity of it. Versus Doc's just sort of, I mean, Jim O'Brien sort of like spots, you know, situational basketball. Um, and Jim worked for, you know, worked, worked for Rick, you know, at the Celtics in Kentucky. But they were a little bit different. He was more streamlined, a little bit less intensity, more just like, you know, spots to situational. And then he did some, you know, he did some sort of high-intensity stuff right. at the end. Right. But he was more reps and situational to see how you can think. And uh, it was it was just an interesting perspective, Seb, to get him through different types of coaches and how they did these, this stuff. Right. Um, and so so if, if I'm a coach, okay, and, or I'm the trainer in charge of this, this player, mm-hmm. it's really important because when, when they go to those, those, those tryouts, those pre-drop workouts, the shooting – becomes very important because they're going to shoot a ton of shots and yep. most teams chart everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the Clippers and the Bulls and you guys probably did too, but they're going to Dallas chart, did, yeah. they're going to chart every shot, make or miss, you know, from where it's from. So you got to, you know, they're going to do a lot of block shooting, you know, from, from all different spots, twos, threes, then they'll get into off the dribble shooting, um, you know, coming off screen shooting, all that stuff. Even if you're a big guy, they're going to have you do a lot of shooting. 
They want to see your range. They want to see, you know, can you make threes? Can you make free throws? Um, so the shooting piece is probably at least 50% of that workout. You just spot shooting, you know, one-on-o, getting shots up from, from certain situations. I, I remember um, when I was at the Clippers, you know, Dee Brown, a friend of ours, would do some of the pre-draft works, and he had all these really good shooting drills that he would put guys through. But so before they get to the situational three-on-three, two-on-two, one-on-one stuff, it's a lot of spot shooting, a lot of block shooting. Have you, have you seen that to be the case, Sweet Chuck? I think in every workout that I've ever been a part of uh, in pre-draft, watching, um, watching, doing it myself, um, preparing players for, I think a lot of spots and a lot of warm-up shooting and a lot of just, and then it just sort of increases a little bit of the intensity here and there and just revs it up. But yes, I think at least 30 to 45 minutes you could definitely sort of put, you know, you could budget 30 to 45 minutes of, you know, spot up, you call it block shooting, right. things like that. Yeah. So, spots so, moving around. so if you're the coach or the trainer, you got to understand that when you're working with that kid for seven weeks, you can't spend six or seven weeks worrying about tricky moves and, and all this step back stuff and all this, you know, all, all this crazy one-on-one stuff because they're not going to do those in the workouts. No. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a, a block of time in the workout where they're going to play one-on-one and three-on-three. Mm-hmm. But if they start going into all that crazy stuff, the coaches and, and the front office people are going to start rolling their eyes. Yeah, they got to understand that in a pre-draft workout, right, you've got the front office that's seen you all year, mm-hmm. right, the front office, the scouts, the, the, the management team, you've got – those guys who sort of know who you are, they've, they've done all the research and things. You've got the coach who most coaches don't watch don't much watch college him. basketball. No. They're in tune. They're in tune to their season. Yeah, It's probably the so, first time the coach has ever seen the guy live. 80% of those coaches is probably going to be the first time they'll ever see you even close to live. Right. So they're, this is their first sort of, you know, view of you. And most of these coaches are not going to be in love with young players anyway, because they don't trust them. So they want to, they want to get a good idea about your skill level, but also what they're going to, you know, what they're sort of, if they're going to take you or select you, what are they going to, what are they going to get by drafting you? So, like, if you come in there out of shape, doing all these tricky moves and not being efficient and not being able to execute these things, um, it's a big red flag, as well as listening to direction when they give you instruction mm-hmm. to be able to look them in the eye understand what they're saying and then carry out what they need you to do. So all of this is being evaluated, you know, and from the shooting to now putting you in through a little bit, even like the shooting drills will go from just like one on O then to like having you shoot on the move in sort of game situational basketball, right. like coming off a pin down a pick and roll transition. And then, so you're going to have to be able to think through through these situations to be crisp and tight on the things that you, you know, that they could just pick it up. But these are and then you got the ownership group that's probably going to be half the time there'll be at least one owner just sort of watching the workout. So and they've got juice and who gets selected when. So you've got like three or four different and then the analytical people that have influence in the draft. So you've got like these four or five sets of different types of people that'll be here at the workout and to be doing just tricky moves and making everything difficult. It's, it, it sort of puts you at, uh, you know, Huge it's sort of going to put you in a tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so during the six weeks, then, you know, our advice to these trainers and these coaches, you know, would be to avoid all that stuff and, and have the player be as efficient as you can. So, you know, now we're into the workout, you know, the weights have been done. We've done some warm up shooting. And now, mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to get, you know, six guys on the court, say you got five or six guys in the agency, and you're mm-hmm. lucky enough to play some three-on-three three and two-on-two, two, that's something they're going to have to do with the workout. So a lot of three-on-three three work, naturally, high pick-and-roll mainly. You know, a guy mm-hmm. in the corner, big coming into a middle pick-and-roll, and then being mm-hmm. able to play out of that and make reads uh, according to the defense. So, mm-hmm. you know... And you can't get that if it's just one or two guys. So 
the agent has to be able to round up enough players or, or you know, maybe they're not guys that are going to be in the draft, but maybe they're local college players or ex-pros or mm -hmm. whatever, to be able to organize some three-on-three -three in, in the right. work during the week. Yeah, and, and to be honest, like, if we're going to play three-on-three, -three, say it's going to be out of, um, I don't know, out of a, a middle pick-and-roll. Say right. just middle pick-and-roll, guy in the corner, with you know, middle pick-and-roll set up top. I would probably put him through – you know, we did our sort of spot up shooting and things, and then I'd start put them in those situations where it's like two on zero, and the guards coming off the pick and roll, talking about waiting for the screen, screen to set an illegal screen, coming off all the types of shots they'll take off the pick and roll, the the big setting the screen, have them roll hard, you know, to the rim, lob, catch, wait in the in the roll, short roll, floater, all the types of passes they could throw in the catch. So I think that like getting them sort of acclimated to the mid pick and roll of all the offensive intricacies and execution of it, and then putting them into the mm -hmm. three on three, you know, and, and that's just one situation. Then you're talking about wide pin wide down pins, and yeah. high post yep. and cross screen post up stuff. So, so whatever split action, but like I think educating the player on each of these situations, like I think. As a trainer, you should take five or six situations, right. and I don't know if you do one a day or two a day, and get them knowing it back and forth. You know, I think that's sort of an important thing. You know. Yeah, it really is. Um, and Sweet Chuck, say say you're the college player and you're you're in this city working out five days a week. I think is sufficient. I think you got you got to give them some recovery time on the weekends. Now, however you want to do it, you know, you may want to go you know, four days and, you know, three, three days and then take a day off and then go another couple of days. But to me in a seven day week, five, five workouts and, a, and two days of recovery sometime during the week is, is uh, sufficient. You can't kill them, you know, going seven days a week, six, seven days a week. No, I mean, the good part is they're not playing games. Right. So it's like their bodies will recover better in my opinion. And I think if you got five days in, and then maybe even if you added like night shooting, right. if they want to come back in the afternoon just just to get shots up with no low, movement, low impact, yeah, yeah, and just to you know talk about their shot, and they could just get shots up, and they could put earbuds on or whatever they want to do, and just clear their head and shoot. I, that's fine. Um, but I'm not a big earbud guy. I just sort of <laughs> use that as a bullshit statement. But like, just get them shooting for like 45 minutes for a couple of nights. But I agree with you. Five days a week, let them get the weekend to recover. And then you get back on the Monday, and I think that's sort of sufficient time. But, again, what you're doing in that time is so important. Yeah, it really Where, is. You can't waste your time, Sweet Chuck, with all the, all the stuff that's not going to be in the workout. Like I said before, you got to teach to the test. Yeah, I, I think that, um, Seb, I think that if you're going to do any type of isolation, if you're going to do like 90 minutes, say you do 90 minutes of workouts a day, on the basketball side, I would spend 10 minutes on players, how they're going to get their shot off and not tricky, but just something because like we always talk about when we're talking about our positional development, every position one to five needs at least one or two things that if their numbers called or a late shot clock, late game clock to get their shot off. Right. So if you're spending 10 minutes a day on that, I don't mind that. No, but if you, if you're going to spend 75 minutes on, dribble moves and ball handling and isolation stuff and you're not talking through these situations that they're going to see in these workouts you're really doing the player a disservice in yeah because the... yeah, one of the things that will happen in the uh, in the workout is one-on-one -on -one. and they'll 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 do it like on a six seven five second shot clock where it yeah. is the end of the clock and you know you got to be able to jab step shot fake go by the guy you know you don't have 20 seconds to create a play right. So I think some some one-on-one -on -one work with low seconds on the clock and having them be efficient. Maybe it's at the elbow for the big guys. Maybe it's in the post for the big guys. You know, or on the wing for perimeter players. Top for a point guard. You know, all those situations yeah. in one-on-one -on -one at the end of a clock I think are good because almost every team is going to have you play one-on-one -on -one in some sort of situation. It's usually going to be a low clock, five seconds or less, something like that. Yeah, I think you, you're going to have to sort of teach the player how to be efficient and act like they've been there before and, and 
you want the player just to go through the workout in each city that they're going to be in and, and always come out of it like, yeah, it's nothing that we didn't prepare for. I'm good. Right. You don't want the player, like you're working on all this stuff that they're not going to see. And then they go through the workout and they're like, wow. Like, no, like we never worked on half of this stuff. Now, now the player's mentally all messed up and you know how important confidence is. And now it gets around that the player wasn't prepared and, and you could have a problem. So I think teaching the players through these workouts on what they're going to expect and actually, you're not going to be perfect all the time. There's always going to be maybe one thing that they'll see, you know, like the Celtics with Ainge would have you run full court sprints for three right, minutes right. straight. Almost like every this, team, Sweet Chuck, at the yeah. end of the workout is going to do some sort of conditioning test yeah. uh, or what it is. So that's why you got to be in shape. Yeah, there's always going to be something that you may not see, but I think as far as this, like you want, in my opinion, you want the coach and the GM and the front office and all the other people. You want to see a pristine body. The shape is unbelievable. That you're full speed the whole workout. That you, you know, that you you go through these drills like that without having to be told anything twice. Basketball and IQ. Basketball IQ. You just sort of go through it. You look the guy in the eye, the coach in the eye, and you you know you sort of communicate with them, and that's it. That's all you want to see. Great shape, make shots. You know, don't make the game difficult. And you want them to see, wow, this player could do X, Y, or Z for us, and we like the kid. It's it's a good thing. I don't think you're not going to come in as an unknown and be the fifth pick in the draft, but you could really help yourself. You could definitely hurt yourself in these workouts as far as your stock. You're, as far as helping your stock, it can help you. You could sustain it. You could sort of keep your level or get up a little bit, but it could definitely hurt you. If you if you don't train the train the right way for these things, I've seen it happen. And remember, you got the coach who has a lot of influence in the draft because the, he's going to have to coach you. Then you know, so you want that experience with the assistant coaches and the head coach to be pristine. And you got the GM and the owner. Like, hey, look, an owner may have never seen you before and be like, you shoot the hell out of it in a workout and you're in great shape. It's like, look, we got three first round picks. You're going to use one on this kid. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like this is it. So like being prepared for these workouts and the situational and the compet- competitive part is huge, and, and being in great shape. And yeah. I think, I think it definitely helps. Um, and then the third part of it, sweet Chuck, uh, you know, you're the weights and the on-court stuff. And a lot of these kids coming from college, you know, even though we're more sophisticated now when it comes to nutrition and all that, but some of these kids have no idea about diet and nutrition yeah. uh, and eating right and, and sleep, you know, not, yeah. not sleeping right. So a lot of the agents will have them get with the nutritionist and those type of people to make sure that during these six or seven weeks we're, you know, we're eating right, we're trying to get enough sleep, you know, staying off the streets at night, all that stuff. Yeah, and again, like, there's a lot of scam artists in this thing, and that's no okay. Doubt. Like, you're just trying to get them ready for the test. They may not be that great, but they work out. I mean, they work out ridiculously, and they do well. Like, I'll give you, I'll give you sort of an example. When I was with the Celtics, um, I was sort of, you know, I used to work out before I got to Boston. I would work out every every local college kid. And Troy Bell um, was a kid at Boston College who did, you know, who was one of the Big East conferences like all-time leading scorers. I think the all-time leading scorer at BC at the time. And Bill Duffy employed me to work him out. Um, you know, he was like a borderline first round pick and, you know, I knew Bill a little bit. I knew Troy really well. We had a meeting and I was like, Hey Bill, we could work out our facility. It's not a big deal. Just get shots up and things. There wasn't really any law against it or rule against it. So we would work out every day. We, we, he, he employed a strength coach that got him in unbelievable shape. Well, during the pre-draft camp, he tested out like you, they, you know how they test yeah. out the top athlete. Right. He tested out top athlete, did really well in Chicago pre-draft, and ended up being a first-round pick. I think he might have played like I don't even know how many games he played. He, he I think he only played a a handful of minutes in his NBA career, and he never came. I think he only played one year in the NBA. So sometimes, if you can get the player ready for the NBA draft and test out well gets the kid drafted now obviously you want him to last more than one year 
but gets them through the door where maybe before the draft they weren't really being viewed like that. Where if you can get them ready and get them in great shape, you get a skill level on the right page. I, I think it could do tremendous things for for the player going forward. You know, I just re- you saying that reminded me of something. Go, going back to the one-on-one portion of the workout, it's mm-hmm. funny because I've seen these college players who were in like a system and they were really good in the system. Mm-hmm. And then you put them in a one-on-one situation where they kind of have to create a shot on their own. They can't do it. They really, no. they really struggle with that. I mean, you can tell, you know, by watching a guy play one-on-one, you know, whether or not he's been used to that in the system. And, and you and I have seen a lot of guys, you know, five seconds are down, you know, in the clock, they can't create because they're system guys. Um, and they're a little bit exposed when it comes to that part of the workout. Yeah, and I think that if you're a trainer and you sort of know that about a player, like we've had like countless players when I was in with with Tim in Chicago that weren't really great athletes. They were maybe they weren't long armed or it was really hard for them to create. So we would make sure that again their body was great, their skill level was good. That like talking about the one on one thing. Now there are certain players you could say, okay, back them down, fade away, and all this stuff. With a player that's not as athletic and not as like that, then you got to teach them how to use fakes after drives, right. get the defender up, draw fouls. But that's when if your your player is not a great one-on-one player, and this goes for development. Period. If you have a player that's not a good ISO player, and most players aren't good ISO players, you better make sure that they can make open shots, that they could do the little things. And then here's where I think Seb that not a lot of people do in the pre-draft training. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it if I, if I ever do pre-draft training again is I'm going to, I'm going to sort of put some time towards the defensive part. Mm-hmm. You know, the show in the hands and not defend without fouling, contesting shots, staying on your feet, being smart defensively. So, again, you want the coaches who are going to watch your workout and then they're going to watch the film of the workout just to see if they missed anything. You want them to know that, wow, look at this guy, like – he knows exactly where to position hands. He's smart. He contests every shot. Without fouling. Out without fouling. Like, so you got to spend some time, especially if your player isn't that gifted as a, an athlete or a one-on-one or an isolation player, that they are solid with everything else. They're solid with their defense. They're solid with screen setting. They're solid coming off screens and reading defenses, making open shots, and, and, and obviously being in great shape. So... Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of players that will come in that aren't good one-on-one players, but you have to then you have to sort of get it. You have to make up for it on the other ends of uh, you know the other aspects of the game. And the last the last part of this six or seven weeks, you know, really didn't exist 15, 20 years ago, and that's the film work. And mm-hmm. Now we see you know because there's so much technology, but you know one of these trainers or coaches who are in charge of this kid is usually going to be doing some film work, you know, daily. Not only... Are we talking about highlight films <laughs> with the rap music, or are we talking about no, no. actually breaking No, we're actually... Okay, you're the coach or the trainer. You've actually prepared clips of a comparable NBA player to be mm-hmm. able to show this guy offense, defense. Here's, here's what you need to play about. And then the other part of the film work is going over his workout. You know, you got to film every workout and, you know, going over his own workout two or three times a week to look at his shot, you know, look at his movement off the ball or, you know, his ball handling and pick whatever it is. But you've got you to be able to show clips of his work and a comparable player in the league that he, you'd like to kind of see him model his game after. So that's something that's new. I remember working with Tim, and if I'm not mistaken, you know, we didn't do a whole lot of film work with those guys, with those pre-draft guys at that time. That was – you know, 15, 17 years ago. Yeah, when you when you did it with us, um, we didn't do it. Like, especially like when we were in Hoops to Gym. <laughs> the last years of me working for Tim, I would say 2010, 2011, 2009, 2010 drafts, we, we did some film every day where we watched about, you know, 20 minutes a day as a group. Right. You know, t- like extra passes, coming off screens, pick and roll, all that stuff. But no, 15, 20 years ago, no, it didn't have it. Now you're going to have more film work with players and, you know, 
talking about different things that players do. And I think it's important. I think it's important to probably show them 15, 20 minutes a day on film of di- a different aspect of the game. Right. And then going over their own workouts, Seb. And I think yeah. the biggest... Self-evaluation. The, yeah, the biggest problem, I think, Seb, that kids have, and, and it's not just today. It's been a long time. If, if no one tells you, they work out at their own pace. They work out at a slow pace. They just like, you know, they're just cool. You know, they just sort of too cool for school thing where, you know, it's at a slow rhythm, slow pace all the time. And what I would, what I tell players is look like the first five or six minutes. Yeah, definitely slow, methodical, get, get your shot right. But then you got to start revving it up. Like you got to show energy because some nights, some days you'll come into these workouts for teams. It'll be three on three. But then sometimes you get into the workouts, it'll be just you because either like people canceled out of the workout. Yeah, guys got hurt and couldn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, we had like Michael Carter Williams. I always, I always remember this. I wasn't there. I was in China. But like I watched a film of it. It was a one-on-one workout. He was a lottery. He was a lottery pick at the time. I think the Mavericks, we might have had the 15th pick or something like that. So we were like right outside or right inside the lottery. I forgot what, what, what pick we had. But Michael Carter-Williams was somebody who was projected into the top 10 but worked out for us. And I saw the workout, and it was so slow. Like, A, he wasn't a good shooter, and B, it was so slow. What I would tell players is like, look, this is an audition. Regardless if this is you or not on a daily basis, like, you got to show them that you're going hard. Like, you're, you're into it. Now, again, not the whole workout. The first few minutes get... get you know, rev your way up, but job interview. Got to show energy. Job interview. It's a job interview. Yeah. You, you can't yeah. be low energy. You know, like you said, yeah. after the first five or ten minutes, once you get a sweat going, it's got to be high energy the rest of the workout. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of the process, and and you know, six or seven weeks, you know, in in the city, you know, with the trainer, with the strength and conditioning coach, with the nutritionist, and obviously the agent's going to be there you know in and out and yeah. uh, like you said maybe a masseuse maybe a media training type person but it's mainly the basketball guy and the strength guy that are mm-hmm. that are in charge of getting this player ready during those six or seven weeks and it, you know we're talking about right now this time of the year early april you know through mid-may mm-hmm. you know to the, maybe the third week of may when actually teams start bringing guys in so yeah. that's and, then, um, and and really this is the first time a lot of these players have been exposed to okay now you got to start preparing to be a professional. Yeah, and I think you have to sort of talk to them about yeah. that as well yeah. like yeah. what you because after the workouts they're going to talk with the NBA team like the NBA co- like the coaches in the front office are going to bring them in a room and they're going to grill them with questions. Yeah, and, what we what we did with the Clippers is you know the night before the workout all the front office guys would Say there's six guys. Well, they would kind of divide them up into groups of probably three, and they'd take them out to dinner and just talk to them and ask them questions and get to know them a little bit. And the yeah. transcript of that dinner, you know, and their their conversation was actually, you know, <laughs> taken the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, they was, you know, the guys would say, okay, here's what he said, here's blah blah blah, you know. Yeah. So I, I think all of that is important. Yeah. You know, it's funny um, when I was in. Boston, and again, this is where you got to talk to them as a trainer if they don't have the agent doesn't have anybody talking to them about etiquette yeah. on the road. Uh, like we had a guy, you know, when I was in Boston, we had a guy in, in Boston like three first round picks that year. We had a guy come in that played at Seton Hall that destroyed the Seton Hall staff. Like they didn't know what they were doing, blah blah blah, and went out like went like leaned in probably for a good six minutes about it. Well, he didn't know that the assistant coach that he was talking to coached at Seton Hall. Right. You know, John Carroll, he coached right. at Seton Hall uh, when they lost to the, in the national championship against Michigan. Like, and that, and and then like, then the coach is like, "Wait a minute, you want us to trust you to take you, and you're killing your coaches. What are you going to say about us if things don't go your way?" Yeah, like, exactly. So, understanding I, some things like that are important. Here's, here's an interesting story. Um, I was with the team, and they had the number one pick in the draft this year. And they couldn't decide between player A and player B. Mm-hmm. And so they, they took both players out to eat, you know, and talked with them like, like we're discussing now. And player A was asked, you know, they were both asked the same question. 
and the question was, you know, what, what was the hardest, toughest thing uh, that you didn't enjoy about college, the toughest thing about being in college? And the one player said, well, I didn't like going to class and getting up early and, you know, the study hall that they made us go to. I didn't like any of that stuff. The other player said, the thing I hated most about college, losing. Mm-hmm. And the player that said losing lost one game <laughs> the year he mm-hmm. was in college. And his answer was, I really couldn't, I really didn't like losing. And he lost one game. Uh, yeah, and, and you can tell, and, and those two answers and the difference between those two answers had some, had some weight on who they ended up drafting. They ended up drafting the kid who said he hated losing when he lost one game in college. So, it's just, you know, the, the, the interaction that you have with the front office people and the discussions, like you said, you know, killing the previous, you know, coaching staff or whatever, that stuff's and, really important. Yeah, and I, and I think, Seb, too, the seven weeks that these players are going to be working in this, you know, sort of training camp environment, it really puts in perspective what, an, what, what your life is going to be like as a pro because, you know, you have no classes anymore. You have no – so all you have is getting ready. Right. You know, your workouts, you know, practices and things. And you got to budget your time. You got to budget your nights. There's no coach. There's no coach checking in with you. There's no yeah, no bed like, check, sweet Chuck. No bed check. Nothing like that. So you got to budget your time, your money. You know all the things that you do. And again, I think as the trainer, you got to talk to the player about it. Like, look, this is what it's going to be like. And so if you're going to like eat fast food all night, oh, and, or you're going to stay up all night, and you're going to be late to pra- our workouts, like that. That's probably what you're gonna be like as a pro, and it's and unless you're some superior player, all-star level player, you're not gonna be. You're gonna be going from country to country to country to country, team to team, because you're gonna wear out your welcome. You gotta learn how to be a pro. As you so, say, sweet Chuck, be become familiar with Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, it, it stinks, but that's just sort that's of the, the reality. Yeah, because there's, in 365 days, there's going to be another 150 players across the country working out for the draft. Yep. It's very forgettable, and I think it's a good you know it's a it's a good learning experience for a team, for a coach. It's a really good experience doing that year in and year out because you sort of tweak what you do. What's more important that you didn't do the year before, or what you spent too much time on, and sort of how to prepare players to be pros. I think and yeah, also I think it's a good it can experience. also give. You know, say you're a young coach or a young trainer trying to break into the NBA. Or, you know, this gives you an opportunity to work with, you know, players that are going to be in the professional ranks for the first time. Sure. Uh, so that, that can help them develop today uh, also. Hey, you know what else, sweet Chuck? Today's episode of Caught in Your Net. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Caught in the net. Caught in no, the net. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I screwed that one up, sweet Chuck. Well, not your net. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't own a net. No? So, but go ahead. No net for, well, no net for Froggy? Are you going to go into another fucking commercial about nets, or what are you going to do? Are you going to no, try to sell me a net? No, today's episode of Caught in the Net is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Sportsdrink.org. Type in at Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink, sweet chuck, but without the vowels. Thank you. All, all we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. So in closing up this week, Sweets, um, I hope we, the listeners now have a little bit of a better understanding of what a potential you know, draft pick goes through to prepare for the pre-draft process. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think as a fan, you just watch yeah, the yeah, draft. you just watch the draft on June twenty eighth, and oh, oh, you you know what, you an NBA TV, you watch the Chicago pre draft camp. Yeah, that yeah. They, they have that right. Yeah, and then that's it. Then you see the draft, but you don't. They don't see, see what, what happened. You know, the six or seven weeks leading up to that, and so we just no. kind of want to kind of give our listeners a little bit of a of an insight on what goes on. Uh, I, I tell you what, I I loved it. You know, working with you with Tim and. You know, all the players, you know, that we've seen on TV in college, and now you get to know them a little bit, and you get to know the agents a little bit, which has, you know, really helped you and I throughout the years. I, I think it's fun, you know. It, it, it's really fun. And, 
you know, it's a lot of up and down because then you got the drama of oh boy, the agent of like oh, this, man. yeah, or this this player's moving up and this player's moving down, yeah. and then you would always ask yourself, wait a minute, how the fuck is this analyst moving this player up and this player down? There are no workouts. I know. Like, like we're not playing right now. It's in the middle of May. There's no workouts. Like, how the fuck is this player going up seven spots? You know how that happens? Spots? You know how that happens? An agent will get on the phone. Oh, you should have seen my guy today. He made 25 out of 33s. And then it gets, you know, it gets around to a, a media person, you know. And the next thing you know, this guy's moving up on the draft boards. And by the way, those mock draft boards, you know, I, I've been in those rooms where they don't take those marks draft, you know. They take those with a grain of salt. Trust me. Yeah, I think the the mock draft stuff. I think, like, I think sometimes early in the year, if somebody that you don't really have on your list is in a mock draft, you sort of, all right, let's keep an eye on this guy. Right. At least let's let's break down some film. But yeah, the mock draft stuff. It's amazing, you know, you know how how different. You know, the, the the draft board from a team looks from the mock draft guys. Sure. Yeah, it's amazing. Hey, and sometimes the mock draft guys know more than the fucking guys drafting. I get it. Yeah. And, and some guys, sometimes the team, you know, doesn't take that stuff all that serious. But the, those mock draft guys, sweet sir, they got no skin in the game. They don't have any skin in the game, and, they're, and they're, they've got an agenda of the people that, that, that's, that you know, take care of them. Yeah, and there's, an no, agent. there's no consequence, you know. If a guy no. in their mock draft doesn't pan out, where it, it could cost people jobs with the NBA teams, no doubt about it. So they just go on their neck. Yeah. Like, so thing, the thing I don't like about that mock is like, you, like I don't really follow the draft all that much up to this point. Now I will, you know, in the next couple of months because the season's winding down. Right. But then you're hearing about it twenty four seven, and you're all drafted out. At the end of the draft, you're just like, get me, get me home. Let me get to sleep. And then five seconds after the draft is done, they'll have a 2023 yeah. mock-up like that. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, dude, get a life. Seriously. That's crazy. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But it's fun. It's, it's, it's something that a lot of the fans don't really know about. And there's really no book about it. You know, there's a bunch of football books that cover draft process and stuff. But basketball, I really haven't read on, read on much. But it's, a, it's an interesting... It's an interesting deal, and if you're a trainer, look, there are plenty of players that are trying to get ready for, you know, the draft and stuff. They may not be big players, but maybe small out of small schools that put up numbers that might get invites to a couple of local workouts. Like as a trainer, maybe trying to get with these guys that put up 25 a game in college, uh, at a Division two or Division three school that might get a couple of workouts. You know how that is, Seb. Sure. Like you don't. Yeah, a couple of people cancel out. Yeah, it happens. Some local guys it happens all the time in L.A. Sweet Chuck, they have, you know, the, the guy that that, that uh, brings the players in. That's in charge of that. He's got a he's got a list of local kids. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the guy who played at Long Beach or Irvine or we, Cal State L.A. And, and all of a sudden, somebody cancels. He's got a list of guys that he can call and say, you know, "Hey, we need you in here tomorrow for you know this workout." Yeah, you know who we call? We call. I had two names for those guys. All right, who, what are they? Sparring partners. Yeah, one. sparring partners. And, I, and you know who I called? I don't know if you know uh, if you're really in tune with Rocky or not. You know Rocky's first fight was on Rocky One, Sev. No. You know the names of the guy? No. He was a total jabroni. His name was Spider Rico. <laughs> That's who and, you uh, call. I, I called him Spider. I said, "Hey, who's today Spider Rico?" Because they have you know the local guys. So, but those guys, are, those guys are so excited. You know why, Sweet Chuck? They get free gear. They free gear. They get a chance to get in an NBA workout. Yeah, and then they and can cool. put on their resume. Yeah, I tried out for so and so team. No doubt. So if I'm a trainer, if I'm in LA, right, and I get a bunch of these guys from like Long Beach State, a Ju- you know JUCO guy that that's not you know. It's not going to college. It put his name in. Yeah, like one of those guys people, on Last Chance U. No doubt. Like nine, or, get nine or ten guys and get them ready for the draft. But have a plan. You know, like have a plan, set it up. You'll get these guys ready. You never know if they're gonna get a call. And if they do, hey, look, you never know. Like that might propel them to a summer league spot for the team. And then maybe, maybe like if he didn't work out with you and get ready, and he, and he didn't get that call. Maybe instead there he's playing in some like, you know, play, uh, Central American League. But now 
He impresses in the pre-draft workout. Doesn't get drafted, but goes to summer league because of it. Has a decent summer league. Maybe he plays in one game for like nine minutes. Does well. And then signs in Italy for 150 grand sure. because of what you did and got them ready for those steps. You know, who never, who knows? But I think it's cool. Like, if you can get local college kids and put them through that type of a training camp and situation, maybe one gets a call, maybe they all get a call. Maybe none of them get a call, but I think it's a good experience for you and the kids. So, yeah, yeah if I'm a local, if I'm a local trainer, I'm getting those really good small college guys that just finished up and trying to have them work out with me and try to get them ready and say, look, you might get a call from a team. Let's, let's just do it for five or six weeks, see what happens. Sure. And, you know, and then try to structure something. Sweet Chuck, I think we covered this from A to Z. Any uh, closing thoughts? No, I'm just waiting for you for the 19th ad that we're not getting paid for. I, I don't know if you're going to... Uh, sweet you Chuck, know. I think we're added out today. We're done. You're added out? We're, we're done with the ads. We hit them all. So we hit Sports Drink, Color Cast. We hit the Athletic Greens. Uh, well, hey, we sport, sports, sports Drink sponsors us, so go to Sports Drink. they got a, a million uh, podcasts. Oh, they None do. Is good. None better than ours, but you know, they got a, they got a bunch of good podcasts. They, they really do. If you go to their website, you'll see a list of about 50 different podcasts that they have. Yeah. So, uh, sweet after Chuck. I put my, after I put my nail polish on, I'm going to go and, uh, <laughs> and check it out. Sweet Chuck, this has been fun and hopefully informative for our listeners until uh, – until next week, sweets, you've been caught in the net. Caught in the net, brother.